Welcome to Triage Method Podcast, episode 2. Hello. <laughs> what is the story, Gary? How are you? Very good. Very, very good. So, how are you? What are we talking about? Tell the people. I'm great. Right, so let's kick this off. Um, I presume everyone's already listened to their first podcast. We don't need to introduce ourselves again. You already know what we're about, who we are. I'm Paddy. That's Gary. And today we're going to talk about, uh, first of all, Gary's experience yesterday. And then we're also going to talk more about Gary and how he's going to deal with the coming few weeks. And we'll get to that when we get to it. But Gary, you were at our boy Rob Lipsitz's uh, event yesterday. So tell us a little bit about that, what you were speaking about, how the event itself went down. Um, I presume because Lippy was running it, it was run very smoothly. Um, but yeah, give us a little bit of a, a rundown, a breakdown of what went on, what you talked about. And I need the goodies and little nuggets of information <laughs> you gave the people. Sweet. Um, yeah, so it was a really, really good event put on by Rob um, because I suppose like there hasn't really been many kind of fitness expos in Ireland as such. And this was kind of more so the type of fitness expo I would like to go to where people were actually talking and trying to give some value as opposed to just you know, walking around to stands mindlessly for hours and hours. Uh, so it was really good. There's a good few people talking. So it started off with Owen Roddy, who is Conor McGregor's striking coach. So that was pretty cool, you know, to hear kind of the inside stories on what Conor's life is like and things like that. Um, then Rosanna Purcell was talking. Um, so she is the author of The Natural Born Feeder. So she was kind of talking about, you know, just general like cooking healthy food but also blogging and some of the problems she had kind of transitioning from the modeling industry to cooking because obviously you know that's kind of almost contraindicated when you're a model that you'd be obsessed with food um and and then i i was up next um and then followed by me at the end rob and joe delaney and his brother mike um kind of talked just general questions and answers talked a little bit about life but yeah the event overall was really good and what I focused on I was almost like the the kind of the nerd the nerdy one that just cramped everyone's style because <laughs> it was like the whole day was like a kind of sit down Q&A asking people about their lives and then you just had me with my fucking presentation <laughs> but it was really good uh, the feed like the feedback was really good and basically the goal of of my talk was just to get the like, get our, our kind of ethos across in terms of like focusing on health as the foundation of your your health and fitness approach so even if you are even if the goal is to maximize your muscle gain the goal should still be to keep health at the foundation of that so kind of went through just talking about things talking about training kind of from like the ground up so just talking about how when we talk about trying to build muscle we're starting at the muscle fiber level so you're starting you're just just explain to people Mm -hmm. about how it's mechanical tension in the actual muscle fibers that we're looking at and that it's that's not always just directly related to the weight on the bar and i think that was kind of a um open people a lot of people's up minds up because you know there's there's always those sound bites of you know more weight in the bar equals more tension and that's not always mm-hmm, the case mm-hmm. um and just kind of talked about things related to you know why we don't all need to squat bench and deadlift um and that you know we're all kind of individual in that in that sense um and then some training variables so if you listen to podcast one you'll actually have kind of heard a lot of the stuff that i spoke about so we were, we were just talking about all the the volume intensity um sets reps all that stuff that we spoke about um the last podcast 
and then talked a little bit about nutrition. So just introduced the concept of energy balance, some of the, the myths around it, you know, why kind of calories in, calories out gets a lot of flack and why people maybe oversimplify it. Um, and also mm-hmm. finished with just telling people to eat like a fucking adult, which I think is a fairly a fairly good uh, message to put across. Um, so that was that was kind of yeah, a summary. Yeah, unfortunately, that uh, eating like an adult it doesn't really is work. Not, yeah, yeah common. but no, it's, it's it's not the commonplace thing. Like it's not. You would assume that if you're talking to a room full of adults, that that would be the norm. Yeah, I know, and it's know, not. But <laughs> unfortunately, it's it's just not. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of stuff on the old Instagram, and everyone's saying that your talk was the best. I don't know about all these <laughs> other people, but that's that's what I'm hearing on the grapevine. Like my dad even said it. He was like, "Oh, I was hearing stuff on the radio, and you know, they were saying Skinny Gaz was <laughs> the the guy." You know? So Easy. he could be just talking shit. Who knows? Um, like I personally think you're an idiot. Yeah, I actually but, also think I'm. I'm- very stupid but i think people just liked hearing kind of our approach to things as people tend to just because it's a little bit different you know i think it's i think i don't think it was that i was presenting See, anything revolutionary or that it was that excellent it was more so just the fact that i think it was a, a bit of a, a different approach to the basic rules that people are always told you would have See, yeah i think that's a, yeah i think that's a big thing about like well our message especially like it's not groundbreaking stuff it's more so formalizing a lot of people's thoughts you know it's going okay so they know that they should be eating well but maybe they've been sold this this glamorous lifestyle of eat your donuts eat your pizza whatever who cares about your fruit and vegetables it's just iifym and they know intuitively that that maybe isn't the full story but they don't really know how to break that cycle and then hearing something like like a kind of concrete rule that we kind of always put out like eat eight to 12 servings, eight to 15 servings of vegetables, fruit or vegetables per day. And they're like, okay, actually, if I just implement that into my diet, my already built up framework of my calories and my macros, then that's something that I can actually implement and actually work on that I already knew. Like it's not, it's not revolutionary. Like they've been told that since they were a child, yeah. eat your vegetables, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's kind of like just formalizing that and going, this is actually something that's going to get you towards your health and fitness goals a lot quicker than just, oh, Count your macros, count your calories, you know? So I, I think, although our message isn't really groundbreaking and it's yeah. just be healthy, do all the stuff that's healthy, it's the fact that we are putting it out there in a, a formalized manner, you know? Especially a lot of people, they don't really think, and that sounds like a bad thing, but most people, they just talk, if that makes sense. Like, they don't actually think their thoughts through, and the first time they ever think their thoughts is when they talk or when they communicate it you know and this is why like especially in the the current you know environment that we find ourselves in people should be talking to each other more but unfortunately they just don't and this is like you know you see a lot of like suicides and stuff like our 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 environment our community our society doesn't really give you an outlet for talking and a lot of people talking is the first time they actually think you know they don't have a spare minute to spend the time thinking of these things so they kind of bottle it all up and then when they first formalize it is when it first leaves their mouths. So having us go, let's have a conversation about this. Let's talk about what you should be doing. They already know it intuitively. It just has never been said or they've never said it. And then as soon as it is, boom, everything just clicks together. Yeah. And that can, so, kind of seems to be the message I got from reading the posts, the Instagram and Facebook and stuff. 
from what you or what people got from your talk yesterday. It was like, okay, like this is the kind of stuff I should be focusing on. I already knew the quote unquote basics. Like I knew what calories were, I knew what macros were, but these are the actual basics, the fundamentals of setting up a good, like quote unquote, good diet. And this is how I can make it sustainable. And actually here are the variables that I should be looking at to change or implement to actually have a sustainable long-term healthful approach you know so would you would you agree with that that that's kind of the message you were putting out there yeah absolutely like like you said i don't think it was anything revolutionary revolutionary i just think it was the fact that i covered so much information in a short period of time and all of it was like it was fairly logical in that like i was digging into little bits of science here and there that were explaining things to people but also just coming back to kind of real basic rules that you probably would know intuitively in that like, oh, we probably shouldn't all uh, train the same. We probably should change our training based on different stressors and that we probably should eat lots of vegetables and good quality food. And like, it was just the fact that I kind of explained those things and gave people the reasons for them that those basic ideas were just then really easy to understand. And it's kind of like, you almost feel like, it's not that people are, are, like that aren't aware of this stuff it's just that you almost kind of feel stupid when you do go so far down the rabbit hole of the whole IAFYM culture and then you kind of realize like when someone says it to you about like oh why don't you eat good quality healthful food it's like oh I, I don't really know you know you kind of feel a bit silly for going so far mm. down that road but I understand why people do it as well because it is so attractive you know especially when you if you've been exposed to the whole clean eating mindset maybe for the first couple of years of your fitness journey and then suddenly you realize that you can actually make progress while eating foods you enjoy then it's easy to go to the other extreme um, and then you go so far down that extreme um, that you end up at the other side of things where you feel silly for not sticking to the the kind of core values of nutrition um so yeah it went yeah. really well yeah, certainly the the IFOM kind of approach is a sexier approach. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, oh, you can you, you can eat like a 12-year-old and still get the result. You maybe had a hard time sticking to your diet because you just don't like broccoli and now I'm telling you you can eat whatever the fuck you want and still get results. Of course that's appealing, but it doesn't actually help you in a long-term approach. And you were again the kind of the first person that I heard formalize it even though I'd heard people give different anecdotes, but you were the first one to kind of put it in the idea in my head anyway, to say that, like, would you eat this way or would you teach your children yeah. to eat this way? Like, what do you do? Like, what, what do you do when you're like 30, 40 and you're, you're looking after children and you're going, oh yeah, so today I just saved 70% uh, of my calories so I can go pig out on pizza and ice cream. Like, what, what kind of message is that showing your kids, you know? And especially, I know you do as well, but I firmly believe that, you know, you show people what to do by actually doing it. Yes, you don't just absolutely. You don't just tell them. You actually live it and do it. And then, if you are deviating from that plan, like sometimes we'll tell people to sleep, but won't get enough sleep ourselves. But we do that under the not under a guise saying like, "Oh, well, we can get away with it. You can't. We're superheroes. We're telling people that it's not optimal and yeah, that what we're doing it. isn't optimal." for their goals but it is optimal for our goals because again like we're in college we're trying to run a business a very successful business no doubt uh, yeah. but we're still trying to yeah, we're still running a business we don't have enough hours in the day but i've heard people try to copy or emulate that lifestyle of you know only sleeping four or six hours a night oh, it's when so, they literally it's, have nothing going it on. actually boils my blood when people do that like literally for no reason because like and, and it actually is i almost feel guilty sometimes because like you said 
like people don't realize like how much the actions of people like influencers if we were to call ourselves that um how mm. like what an influence you actually have on people because solely because maybe we don't sleep enough all the time people think that's okay and even even when we say you should sleep enough these are all the benefits of sleep people will still come back every time and and question what our motives are for sleeping less in that like oh, is it, are you able to get away with six hours per night? You know, they kind of lose that trust because you don't do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I think it is really, really important. And I spoke to this, uh, spoke to a good few people about this yesterday, about how people in the fitness industry who maybe are vlogging or who are personal trainers themselves, you kind of have a responsibility to show people what it is like to eat healthy food consistently, what it's like to maintain an active lifestyle and to do things to manage your stress and to sleep well. Because otherwise no matter how much you say the benefits of something are, are X, Y, and Z, they're not really going to trust it unless they see you, the person they look up to, actually putting it into practice. Because, you know, that's mm. what's actually motivating for people and it, what, what makes it relatable. Because when people, like, that was another thing that a lot of people said yesterday, because me and you were in college, that they're able to relate to us a lot because we still do these things like trying to run our business while going to the gym and eating well and stuff. And it kind of removes... The excuses that people have so i think social media like social media influencers or trainers or whatever should really kind of pull up their socks sometimes in terms of not putting out messages like mm. oh i mean it's friday night i'm eating loads of pizza it's okay because it fits in my calories um and then saturday you're having loads of ice cream and blah 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 you know yeah and especially for the people that are like social media influencers in the fitness industry like it can be often forgotten when you just see a picture per day or, you know, a workout, a clip of a workout that these people, that's the only thing they've done all day. You know, like the only yes. outside of that, about that as outside well. of that. Yeah. Like outside of that, they had a nap and had the time to have nicely prepared meals. Like they have an edit of like Tupperware or something for the last two years. Cause they, they're at home all the time. Yeah. You know? And yeah, that's not to say, like, I'm not saying that their lives are easy, especially the more quote unquote famous ones. Like, like Rob Lipset, he like because you had that seminar with him yesterday. Like he actually goes out and does things. It's not like he's just sitting at home, you know, watching YouTube videos all day. Like he's yeah. actively looking for opportunities to both better himself, better his brand, and ultimately better like the Irish fitness industry. Like I have a lot of time for Rob. Yeah, you know he 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 actively puts himself out there, goes out on a limb. Like he could like that uh, event yesterday could have been a flop, and that would have all been on him. And, you know, he's yeah. willing to go out and do that, you know. And um, so there are people out there that are like fitness influencers that are doing that. But the vast majority of them, like they're just flicking on a camera, recording their workout, freshly preparing their meals. And it, like to an extent, it just isn't relatable because it doesn't. Like, if you have a job, if you're in college, if you have a family, whatever, like the majority of people, they just don't have that lifestyle, you know. So it's not relatable. Yeah, completely agree um on that note i was like oh yeah one the, one other thing i brought up yesterday um which you would like because i asked i asked people if they knew who richard dawkins was and a few people did uh, but basically i was just talking about the concept of you know how he coined the term meme and how that kind of mm. that meme culture is now transferring into the fitness industry in relation to the whole infograph the infographs that are floating around so you know if you think about like memes we all know like the the classic ones like you know there's the old man and there's like the 
the frog and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, all these viral images. And that's now happening in the fitness industry with actual information. But one of the things that like Richard Dawkins talks about in relation to the meme is that much like a gene, it's able to mutate. So as it gets passed on from person mm. to person, the meme, um, it gets adjusted. And uh, you see this happening with infographs. So when someone first does, let's say, an infograph, and it, it has an image that has these summary points, and then the person who initially writes it does this big, long post explaining the context of that infograph. But then that gets shared by, let's say, two people, and they don't share the text that was with it. And then that gets shared by another two people per person. And suddenly you have this, this infograph that is slowly changing with people adding their own biases to it over time. Um, and that was one of the things that, like I was just saying, that that is we're big on on putting context onto things because if you just spend the time like actually writing things that are context specific and putting out information that way and understanding it that way then there's less of a chance of it kind of uh mutating i guess because you've given that context to it as opposed to just saying like do you know like the, there's always those comparison infographs these days where it's like oh if you want to look like this do this amount of sets this amount of reps or do and if you don't you know rest for this long blah 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 and i just think mm. i think it's it's kind of one of those things like it's it's best trait is its worst trait like the benefits of infographs so that you get real simple short nugget of information that you can implement right away but the fact that it is so simple and short can be the downfall also when it starts to get passed on without the context yeah, and that is actually what Richard Dawkins said in, well, his theory, I suppose, yeah. meme theory and stuff, where it was the virality of that information is related to how simple it is to disseminate that yeah. information. Like, how, and, and like, especially if you write any scientific stuff, like, we're, like, in college, we're always taught to write scientifically. And a lot of stuff related to writing scientifically is how can you convey the most amount of information with the least amount of words? And how can you convey the most amount of context with the least amount of words? And that's again with this meme as well. Like, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. So obviously using infographics where, you know, pictures are involved, you're spreading a lot more information, a lot easier. But in that sense, like you can get, it's not, I wouldn't call it mutation although the information the idea behind the information is mutated it's more so actually a problem with the the originator of that information because the image itself is supposed to convey all of the information yeah. you know but it oftentimes doesn't yeah and this is where this is where it can be you know, disseminated in a a manner that doesn't actually give you all the context, doesn't give you all the information. So you've actually that this is why those ones that come out don't stay around for a huge amount of time. Whereas the ones that are really simple to use and really relatable and actually convey a huge amount with such little, like if you see that the picture of you know Kermit the Frog with the the yeah. cup in his hand, <laughs> like you know exactly what that means. Like you can put that in different contexts. And you can actually get a huge amount of information yeah. from that. So like that is, is a viral one, you know, but these ones that people kind of share that don't have a huge amount of context, that don't show a huge amount of information, although they do show a huge amount of information, they'll never have that virality, have that, you know, uh, longevity in the system. And that was ultimately what, you know, Richard Dawkins was saying with that whole stuff of how like genes essentially survive in uh, an environment. They have to not only convey that information, but they also have to have longevity. And a lot of these, you know, fitness infographics and stuff, 
don't have longevity. Mm-hmm. They just they just simply don't like they're, they're around for a day or two, a week maybe, and then it's just gone. Like who cares? It didn't really impact anyone. You know, it didn't really actually convey a huge amount. And that's why, like, I like the way that we don't actually put out a huge amount of infographics. Yeah. And like the infographics that we do put out are really own like they're not intentionally viral, you know, they're more so just to condense the point of an actual article or condense the, the point of a post or something, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not intended to be highly shareable or viral. And I think a lot of people are kind of noticing that these viral images or these infographics, they don't, like they're, they're not useful. Like they, they yeah. kind of, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's cool, and then it, it doesn't actually provide you with anything of substance. Yeah, people kind know? of. So I think on... there is. Go ahead. Yeah, go on. Yeah, people no, kind on. of jump on the bandwagon with it, and you know, you know, when someone does put up an infograph and they agree with it, it's like they're like, oh yeah, dude, go you, you know, that's a great opinion. I love that. I agree with that. Or else someone may, will maybe tag their friend, but like. I don't really see someone going away and changing everything they do based on three lines in an infograph. Mm. I just don't think that's enough. Like, I think people are actually very confused in that everyone seems to think these days that simple information is absolutely the best and that people only want to read one sentence. But like you think that because people like to read in that amount, but it doesn't lead to the best behavior change. Like I firmly, firmly believe that knowledge, that knowledge is one of the, the best things you can do to change your behavior. Because the more you know about how maybe negative a certain habit is for your health, then the more likely you are to actually change that. Whereas if you've read one line being like, you should eat eight to 12 servings of veg per day, and that's all you know about that topic, and that's all you've, you've gone into, then you're kind of going to be like, oh, cool, I might try that. Whereas if someone like breaks it down and tells you all of the benefits, then you're going to be like, okay, maybe I should do that, you know? So it's completely different. Um, so I think I think that's an important thing to recognize for anyone that is listening. Maybe you do put out content or maybe you read content and think that some stuff is too long. Just recognize that simple information may seem the best, but it's probably not in practice. Yeah, like I always kind of liken it back and think back to like Dorian Yates. And I don't know if I said it on the last podcast, but I said it recently enough anyway when I was talking to you. But with Dorian Yates going out and creating this entirely new training system, you know, he created that and he picked exercises that suited his body. Like he picked a lower volume of training because it worked for him. He noticed he got better results with that. He picked certain exercises like he didn't squat or he'd squat later in the workout if he was ever to do it. He'd mainly stick on the leg press because, you know, he just wasn't built to squat. So he was playing around with the different variables and noticing what worked for him as an individual. But then rather than, everyone getting that information from what he did yeah. everyone just copied his plan like they didn't they didn't get the they didn't get the underlying message of okay you're gonna have to experiment a little bit with volume and intensity and see what works for you and you're gonna have to experiment with what exercises work best for you they just talk away from that going dorian's massive dorian does low volume dorian does these specific exercises I'm going to follow his plan exactly. And it's like that that's not that's not the underlying message that he was trying to propagate. Although obviously he still has to make money. So, you know, if you can sell a system, like you're gonna sell a system, you know. So I feel that's the kind of way with these these infographics and stuff where it's just not it's it doesn't give you the thought process of or the background knowledge even of how to make actual decisions. Like with Dorian's program again, like do you as an individual, are you good 
to squat or should you stick to the leg press? Like what was the thought process between behind Dorian making that switch? You know, is that the same thought process you should be engaging in? Or do you just say, Dorian didn't squat, I'm on the leg press. You know, you you have to think like these infographics, are they actually teaching you a thought process or are they providing you with some sort of analytical skill that you can actually make some change to your overall diet, lifestyle, health, training, whatever it is. And most of the time, I feel that they they don't really. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And that's why we haven't, you know, sold our soul to the devil by just making a couple of hundred uh, infographs just to get a lot of followers. (laughs) Because to be fair, it is an easy way of building a following. It's an easy way of building a following, but at the same time, I much value the, or I value the the loyalty of our following a lot more. And that was one of the really, really cool things about the talk yesterday was that, you know, everyone I spoke to was able to come up and talk about the triage content and say, you know, oh, that, that article, when I read that, you know, that really clicked with me for this, that, and the other. And I just don't think that we would have that same effect if we were just writing three line infographs. I don't think anyway. So we'll keep helping Go ahead. Yeah, I was actually thinking thinking this because I was I was doing an interview yesterday with uh, one of the lads I know for his master's. He was doing an analysis of our business and our marketing and stuff. And I was like, all right, I'll have a chat with you. Um, so I was talking to him, and he was kind of saying like, what what's our definition of value? And it kind of it kind of left me stumped because I was like, well, like what we're trying to provide value but what is that actual value and i was thinking i was like it is to actually at the end of the day empower people with education now obviously again we are a business so we have to eat but the way i see it is the more people we can actually help the better the society is the better the the whole community is and i at the end of the day i'd rather that no one was taken advantage of in this community that no one was left not achieving their goals you know i'd rather everyone was kind of like when i when especially when i write posts i know you're the same like i'm always thinking like at the end of this what does this give to the individual does this give them some sort of actionable point that they can go okay now i have something that i can actually bring away into my diet my lifestyle and i make an immediate change or a long-term change whatever it is but is that is that post bringing them closer to their ultimate goal and if it isn't, like then it's, it's it's pretty useless. So I would say that's our kind of value. But on that thing, I was also thinking, and I was like, how do we actually, because I, I would agree with you, we have a very loyal community, very loyal followers. Like whenever we, I meet someone, um, they're always happy to rhyme off how specifically we help them or what article they read or, you know, that kind of stuff. Like they yeah. actually have, have engaged with our content you know and i was thinking like how do we actually reward our followers and i don't know what you feel about this but like i was thinking sometime especially because like in january that's our our one year anniversary of triage so i was like we might do like some sort of like competition but we might you know hey people always have that like oh tag a friend tag tree friends or yeah. share the image and tag tree friends like rather than, ra- rather than doing something like that we might have like a giveaway on the podcast or maybe even probably more beneficial do a giveaway in the militia, you know? Um, because obviously if you're in the militia, then you, you obviously like all our content enough to yeah. be paying a euro per day to get, to get the, the best content that we provide, you know? So like, what what are your thoughts on that? If we do some sort of giveaway over Christmas, I suppose, 
maybe in the militia or maybe we just announce it on the podcast and give give the people the secrets of how to to go about claiming that prize yeah no i'm cool with that because like you know while we could probably get a lot a big jump in our following by doing some giveaway to just everyone the whole like and share thing i don't think that's how we've built our following thus far and how we've gained you know the trust of people so i don't think maybe it's probably not worth changing it um especially because like when those like and share competitions happen what ends up happening is you just get a lot of people that aren't even into fitness that just want a new phone so it's like maybe not i don't know um but yeah i know i'm i'm in for the militia or podcast that sounds good i think i think that would probably be the easiest way because that would be where people would be just just our our community would be just hanging out like you wouldn't get outsiders from the community so maybe that's something to think of but uh wherever wherever we link this whether it's on facebook instagram wherever just leave us a comment message us on instagram facebook wherever and give us your suggestions about how we can give back to our community the community that has helped you know build our business and how we can actually provide some more value to you guys in the form of i know i you said an, an iphone or a phone or something like maybe we just do a raffle or something a giveaway of a phone or something like that anyway we're open to suggestions now the next question and the big one is gary how are you going to deal with placement Whew, i don't know boy um to give some context, because we love context, I'm starting placement tomorrow. Um, so I study I study physiotherapy for anyone who doesn't know. So, you know, physio is, is a kind of a, a clinical degree, clinical profession. So it involves, like, pri- primary, most jobs are hospital-based. So my placement is in the University Hospital Limerick. So I'm working in outpatient musculoskeletal. So, you know, fractures and, you know, people rolling over their ankle and all that good stuff. So doing the rehab for all that. Um, so I start my placement tomorrow, and that involves leaving the house at like 7 45 in the morning and coming back maybe around 5 15 so i don't know how long that is i know that the, the work day is like eight eight hours so that's more like probably being out of the house for like nine nine and a half hours um so it's a pretty pretty long day um in all uh all in all and combined with the whole triage business thing business thing it's, it's going to be a little bit heavy um so there are some obstacles that i'm gonna to have to overcome uh because firstly placement in and of itself is typically regarded to be something that is very kind of mentally and physically draining by most students that do it um if anyone here has done nursing or anything like that um you'll kind of know that um so it's going to be kind of a, a challenge in and of itself so but then adding the whole business side of things to that can really be an obstacle so first thing is the fact that scheduling is going to be absolutely key for me and ensuring that um i'm allocating adequate time to do the work that we have to do for triage so you know looking after clients and writing articles for the militia um so that's kind of how i'll first start with the whole scheduling process so for example like i get up at like 4 30 so what i'll probably do is allocate the first like three hours or two to three hours of each day towards placement related stuff so that that first two or three hours is going to be related to preparing for placement because you do kind of have to prepare and there's work kind of ongoing work and study obviously um so i'll kind of keep that 
so that my evenings then can be dedicated towards myself and, and business related stuff. So I'll probably train then around half five, um, probably train for an hour, hour and a half, and then be home for half six or seven, and then do triage work until 10 o'clock. Um, and then in bed, six and a half hours sleep and repeat every day. But obviously within that, you do, like if anyone does live kind of a life that is kind of like that and is quite busy, you really do need to prioritize actually preparing your meals. Like, you know, this is one of the problems with the whole, if it's your macros, flexible dieting culture, people just tell you to, oh, it's fine, just hit your macros, just go about your day and wing it and you'll be fine. Like that doesn't work when you actually have a lot of shit to do. So I'll be preparing my meals before. Um, so the night before is when I like to do my cooking. Um, so I'm just going to prepare probably every meal other than my last meal in the evening, um, just to ensure that there's no additional kind of decision making that needs to be done or time invested into cooking the following day. So just reducing the chances of me kind of going off of, of my diet, like having poor adherence or simply, you know, being poorly mentally focused while I'm at work as well, because that is really important. And this is probably one of the things that people get lost with when they start to realize that, you know, meal meal timing, okay, it's probably not that important for body composition once you're hitting your overall targets. But fuck me, man. It matters when you're trying to stay focused in your in your job or you're trying to fuel your training or anything like that. Like there's there's no way you could say to to me let's say that we, that I could just eat all my calories at breakfast and I'm still going to get on well throughout the day and you know get, train well in the evening so meal timing does matter in this context spreading food evenly throughout the day preparing in advance they're all of my priorities what do you think Patty do you think I'm going to make it is that an appropriate way of thinking about all this you are definitely going to get so skinny, get so skinny. I know but, uh, <laughs> are you changing are you changing your are you changing your oh, I'm getting some feedback on this can I hear myself or can you hear me twice no i just hear you once all right well then we're all good but anyway yeah i think you're just going to get skinny but what i wanted to know is are you going to change your calories at all are you going to drop calories because i know you do feel a little bit mentally sharper and uh, when you have mm -hmm. a little bit lower calories so are you changing yeah it actually yeah it was actually it was actually something i had been kind of thinking about like they've they've come down a little bit in preparation for it just because for two reasons really like firstly because i do feel more mentally astute when i'm on a little bit lower calories um but also because i don't think it's worth my while being in a significant surplus while on placement because my capacity to recover from training is going to be meh, you know meh at best you know so i don't think i don't think i, I have the capacity to to train hard enough and recover well enough to mm. maximize muscle gain at the moment so i think if I even just kind of maintain body composition and have a little bit lower calories while I'm on placement, I'll probably feel better. Um, yeah, that's my current thoughts. But but that might change. Yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that's fair. I suppose you have to see how you're actually being affected by placement. Like, is it actually going to be as much of a drain as you think it's going to be? Like, I know you've done placement before, but perhaps in this specific placement, it won't be as physically demanding we'll say as yeah. other placements and you might find that you're actually able to recover more and this is something that i think a lot of people should take into account like you can think something is going to be a certain way and create a plan based on that thought process but you have to be willing to actually change given the actual response your body gives you like if you're 
thinking, okay, look, for the next while, I'm only going to, I'm not going to be able to eat my usual six meals a day, for example, whatever, you know, and then you are have to eat four meals a day and you automatically think that you're going to have reduced training capacity, you're going to have reduced energy levels, but then you find you're eating your four meals a day and you, you find you're feeling great, you know, like don't be afraid to, if you had dropped, say, the training volume in uh, or proactively, don't be afraid to, you know, kind of increase it and say, okay, this is actually a beneficial time. I, I can actually, I can actually push it this time, you know? So I feel people kind of get stuck in a certain mindset or frame frame of mind where it's like, okay, well, I'm in this certain circumstance, so I can't push, or I'm in this circum- certain circumstance and I should be pushing, but I don't have the, the recovery for it. So I feel that a lot of people should be, you know, reviewing their training, reviewing their, I suppose, their recovery and all those lifestyle factors that we've talked about before on an ongoing basis. And if any changes have happened in their lifestyle, say they're they're traveling or something and they think they're going to have to reduce their training output and they they actually find that they didn't need to, you know, don't be afraid to change the plan. You know, obviously you want to have that in the the overall goal of what your plan is trying to achieve. Like, don't be like, oh, I'm supposed to be taking, say, a deload, or which deload is not a word, an unload this week. And you're just like, oh, no, I have to keep pushing. And then you don't take it. And then two, three weeks down the line, you're feeling like crap because you should have taken it then, you know? So I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if you think, like Gary, okay, placement's going to be in the way of training, lifestyle, eating, and everything, and then you find it just isn't, like, don't be afraid to, mm. to change the plan. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's important to be kind of both proactive and reactive when it comes to adjusting your training. Like, I think there are kind of two types of people. Like, some people are too proactive in saying that, let's say, like like you said, um, oh, my, my capacity to recover is going to be compromised, so I'm going to reduce my training way down. And then they do it and they realize that they actually feel great and they feel they could do way more, but because they plan in advance, they're not reacting to it and they're just kind of sticking with it. Um, or similarly, it could be the other way around mm-hmm. where people are proactive in terms of saying they're going to do loads and loads of training volume, but then they're not recovering from it, but because they planned it, they're going to keep doing it. And then there's other people that are kind of too reactive that don't even plan in advance and just go in and hammer themselves if they can and, you know, or then take it really easy. And it's kind of all over the place. Um, and that was one of the things as well I touched on yesterday in the talk was the concept of auto-regulation. And we shared this kind of three-tier system of auto-regulation on social media in the past. Um, might share it again this week just because I got a good response and a lot of people seem to have not seen it. Um, but basically just ensuring that you do actually adjust your training volume based on symptoms such as, you know, high levels of stress, low levels of sleep, you know, maybe eating really poorly, being poorly hydrated, having anxiety, mental fatigue, low energy. All of those things are important to kind of take into account when it comes to being reactive, but you still should have a plan in advance of that that is a rough framework um, as opposed to only relying on the presence or lack thereof of those things. Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, I, I, I just think a lot of people are either too stuck in the mud with their training or are too in the river with their training that they're just taken by whatever current is flowing like they're they supposedly have a plan and you know i'm gonna be working on my squats and then every week they send you a new video of different squats that they're doing you know oh this week i'm doing safety squat bars this week i'm doing front squats this week i'm doing leg press and it's like well like pick a goal and stick to it like you shouldn't be changing every single week you know 
you're not going to get an, any adaptation. Well, you will get some adaptation to that, but you're not going to get a certain adaptation that you're supposedly looking for with that. But then again, the opposite side of the scale is you shouldn't be not changing for huge, like people on the same program, say for six months and there's no change and they, they've plat- they plateaued at week, week 10. And it's like, like, what do you expect to get from just doing the exact same thing? You know? But yeah, uh, I think with the whole placement and stuff, I actually don't think you're going to find it that hard because how long are you on placement for? Three weeks, is it? Five weeks. Five weeks. Twenty uh, second of December, I finish. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Okay. My last exam. My last exam is the twenty first of December. You know, so oh, it's too easy. It's good crack. Um, yeah, like this is the same as well. Like I obviously haven't doing placement, but I do have exams coming up like yeah exams are a bitch yeah like i have two exams tomorrow now they the, both of them account for well, one of them accounts for like 15 percent of my grade and one of them accounts for 20 percent of my grade and i'm still here chatting shit like <laughs> but this is one of those things where again a lot of people would be kind of stressing out right now but i always find i do a lot better if i just do a little bit of work consistently you know and then when it comes to when it comes to the exam time i'm just revising i'm not learning for the first time if that makes sense you know yeah and like a lot of people like especially in college in ireland anyway like the majority of courses pretty much want you to pass like they give you like i say in ucd it's a 40 percent pass grade i don't know if it's the same in all colleges but it's a 40 percent pass grade in ucd and most of the modules will have continuous assessment for accounting for 40 percent so yeah. if you just if you just either go to tutor to the tutorials do the work in the tutorials or in my case i go to labs and do the write-ups and stuff um or do like tomorrow do, i have an mcq like do the mcqs to the best of your ability like more ops more often than not you'll have the guts of 40 percent going into the exam so it shouldn't be it shouldn't be this be all or end all thing. But I think a lot of people have trouble with that because they just don't go to class. They just don't put in the work throughout the whole year. So not only are they counting on the final exam, which is say only worth 60%, not only are they counting on getting all of their grade from that 60%. So they're at least trying to pass, which means they have to get whatever 70% of that final exam, 100% correct. Um, (laughs) which in itself is no no mean feat. But then also they haven't been going to class the whole semester or the whole year or whatever. So when they're looking at information, it isn't just revision. They're first learning. It for, yeah, it's literally they're learning it for the first time. So they're giving themselves whatever, a week, two weeks. Like I'm in week 11 now. I'm coming into it tomorrow, you know, and some people are like, oh, like, will you explain this to me? Like I, I, I missed that lecture and I didn't go to the, I didn't, you know, look it up at the notes and stuff. And I'm like, well, like, I, I don't know how I can help you. You know, like yeah. I've, been, I, I've been putting in at least an hour every single day to study, you know, uh, purely just study, you know, the course material, not even study the stuff that we're using for our business, not even considering yeah. the stuff that I'm using to, you know, write articles for our business or anything like that, or just advance my knowledge in, what I actually do in my job, you know, and not even counting that I've just been putting in an hour every single day with college college work. And like, I find that pays off hugely because not only do I stay up to date 
as I'm going into the next lecture, I'm like, okay, this is exactly what we covered the last class. I understand that. Or if I didn't understand that, I can go up to the lecturer and ask them, you know, and say, I, I didn't really get that. Can you point me in the direction of something that will help me get it? Or can you just explain it a different way? But I find a lot of people just wait until week 10, 11, 12, or even like the week before exams to just try to learn all the information. And, and then they wonder why they find college so hard, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. As we said, I, can, I think it was in the last one, there's a big difference between saying that you struggle because college is hard or struggling because you don't actually do anything. You know, it's a big difference. Um, a lot of people tend to just blame the system and blame the, the way lecturers teach or blame that they're not being taught properly. When in fact, if you, maybe you're not being taught properly, but if you had actually made the effort the whole way along the semester, you could have pinpointed that and you could have went to YouTube. You could have read some other free lecture notes that are available online or you could have actually approached the lecturer yourself and and asked them to kind of maybe adjust their teaching style or, or explain something to you in a different way um, because that's the thing about learning like if you don't get your lecturer's way of explaining things you can literally learn anything on the internet in so many different forms you know in whether it's article or video or even audio yeah like it's actually it's actually a joke the amount of information you have at your fingertips today like in this day and age, like I went on line earlier on because like I have uh, an MCQ tomorrow, as I said, on uh, lipid, lipids and enzymes, right? And I was like, oh, I don't really understand this Michaelis-Menten equations for enzymes. I'm talking about enzyme kinetics. And I'm kind of like, oh, like I understand it, but I kind of get confused in my head. So I just typed in, you know, enzyme kinetics, Khan Academy. And here's a video. Watch that explains it in a slightly different way than my lecturer had explained it a slightly different boom. way than a slightly different way than the the books that i have explained it and boom just clicked in my head and i was like oh that makes a hundred percent sense now you know and i have that ingrained in my head whereas like if you were alive in say even the 1950s 60s 70s 80s and even the 90s you know like you wouldn't have the the resources for that and people just don't take advantage of it now and they kind of go Oh well, like I have all the information available to me, but no one has any "quote unquote" motivation available to them now. Like they just don't put in the work when it's so it's so, it's easier than ever, and as a result, people find it harder than ever. Yeah, but at the same time, people have been conditioned towards wanting fast information because of the ability of fast information. So really short videos, you know, listening to podcasts to get simple nuggets of knowledge. So that then when it comes to doing things that you actually have to really read into, like truly understanding things like physiology or biochemistry or anatomy or whatever, any of these topics that you actually have to read to understand, then people are like, oh shit, there's, there's no shortcut here because I actually have to go away and read textbooks and I have to read articles and I have to read research. And then people don't want to do that and they just want to look for the three minute video that's on YouTube that's going to give them the short brief um, piece of information. But that doesn't work. That works for knowing something roughly like knowing the soundbite of something but it doesn't work for understanding things which is required obviously if you're in college surely you want to understand the things that you're answering in exams or writing about in essays or putting into practice yeah and i, I think this is kind of the, the problem i suppose with the modern day man or woman where like, we're kind of just lazy because we've had it handed to us on a silver plate you know yeah. and it's like okay like we i just look it up online i don't need to remember that i'll just look it up online later or i don't need to 
understand that fully. I'll just look it up online later. And like to an extent, yeah, that's correct. But you do have to know that information. Like I always think of it, you know, like the reason people wrote poetry originally wasn't so you could read this and think, oh, this is a beautiful poem. This is wonderfully written. Like the reason they wrote poetry was so you could remember that forever. You know, you could remember a 30 verse poem, you know, like it was, it was supposed to be easily rememberable and and people just don't think that way anymore. Like you think of the way people who have, are illiterate they've never read information they've never learned to read they've never learned to write like they think in a different way like they cycle or whatever you want to call it uh whatever it's called when you you think the word is evading me now but you know they they actually think differently than people that are literate you know the way they store information is different you know they're not thinking in terms of words they're not thinking in terms of like information and nuggets they're thinking of a continuous stream and um, not even an abstract like we're thinking they're just thinking of holy in person and you see a lot of like cultures that are illiterate and the way they talk about dreams and you know talking with their ancestors and stuff it's a lot different than the way we we think when you're literate and like this is this is the problem nowadays we don't have the capacity or rather we do have the capacity. We just don't use that capacity to actually remember things. Like your brain is a huge, huge storage unit, you know, and we just don't use it. Like the majority of people just use it to know how to type in a few words into Google or how to search for, you know, funny cat videos, you know? So yeah. <laughs> like, like we're, we're, we're not maximizing our potential and and that's not only just in like the fitness realm like because that's obviously what we're in but in terms of you know actually advancing their their mental capacity because we live in such a an easy like quote unquote easy like i'm not saying everyone has it easy but you know we live in the west or the majority of us live in western society and, and we have it easy like realistically like your level of poverty is miles above someone in you know the depths of fucking uh, syria like their level of poverty like they're literally getting bombed you know and you're going oh well, I, I have i only have like a grand in my account you know like you're not in, not in poverty you know uh like people in like africa like are actually in are, are actual slaves people in your know, Arab countries are actual slaves. People in like certain parts of Asia are actual slaves. And you're complaining about not getting paid 15 euro minimum wage, <laughs> you know, like, <clears throat> so like it is, we're, we, we have it relatively easy. And, and this is a kind of a problem, you know, where we don't want to challenge ourselves because it's, it's not, it's not the norm. Like we've had it, very easy throughout our entire upbringing throughout our entire lives that as soon as you're you're given something challenging it it is foreign to you and it can be yeah. really hard you know and, yeah. and like we're, we're not taught to deal with that in any capacity yeah and i think i think that way of approaching information and knowledge is it's kind of particularly evident in the fitness industry because typically the way people learn about things in the fitness industry is via social media and also watching YouTube videos, um, as opposed to maybe other realms where people actually do have kind of a baseline education that they've gotten through 
through reading and through you know reading lots of books or reading research or whatever it's kind of different in the fitness industry and it kind of works the opposite way around where people start learning on social media and they start with videos and because they've been conditioned to learn in that way and because they've been conditioned to expect to learn things that quickly when it comes to learning things more holistically and and to a deeper level they're kind of scared of it because it's like wait you want me to spend half an hour reading one research paper that gives me one small summary point to try and understand it and then to understand a full article or whatever i have to go and like read like a hundred different papers it's like fuck that's no i don't want to do that and there was a lot of people that came up or a good few people anyway they came up yesterday after the talk and they asked um where can i go to learn more about that and i was like what do you mean that like and they, they were like but you know all the things you talked about and i was like i was just kind of explaining that there is no one place that is going to give you the things that i said and it was more so uh, no, 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 no. Whoa, well, whoa, whoa, except the triage militia. <laughs> I actually didn't say that. I was like, they were like, where should we go to learn more about this? I was like, uh, well, the triage militia. <laughs> That's what I was saying to people. I was just like, I was like, Good. I was like, look, you have two choices. I was like, you can go away and you could read all of this research that we read, or what you can do is let us read it and then give you the things that are actually important. I'm like, you know, it's it's up to you. <laughs> so that's our plug for yeah, the like, day. Like- like the the way I always look at it is like there's some people in society, sorry, excuse me, there's some people in society that really enjoy certain parts or certain things in society. Like me and you, we get fucking horny for this hypertrophy stuff. You know, like I love, like I love reading biochemistry. I love advancing my knowledge in that. I love going to the gym. I love all these things that help make me a better coach, that help make me a better writer within this field. Whereas some people, they just don't love those things, but they still want to have that information. They still want to have that knowledge or they still want to build a capacity to, you know, delve deeper into gaining that knowledge. And unless they are willing to do what I'm willing to do, you know, like spend an hour a day, like reading this kind of stuff, go back to college. When Like I had no need to go back to college, you know, like I could have just happily not gone to college again and not got or try get this degree in biochemistry and i could have just read books and stuff yeah but i wanted to do that and not a lot of people are and you you didn't have to go back like you yeah. you had uh, <laughs> deferred deferred your place for a year like you didn't have to go back and like realistically we would be making so much more money if we didn't go back to college but at the end of the day then it would reduce our capacity long term to actually disseminate good information yeah. and i think that's ultimately what both our goals were or are is to actually put out good information and actually give people these little summary points after we've already read this huge body of research and you know put in all these hours of reading all this different research you know and distilling that information down into an easy to understand point but going back to what you said like what we're talking about we do live in an easy society so it's very understandable especially in the fitness industry where it's kind of okay well you've given us this little chunk of information in this video or in this post and i've learned from that but now i want to you know advance my career advance my knowledge and they realize that it's not just looking up videos of exercise execution yeah. with ben pikulski or yeah. whatever like it's not it's, it's not that simple and it's not just like oh well he's done all the research like if you actually want to go out and 
you know, study this kind of stuff. Like it's a lot of hard work. And and most people just, especially in the fitness industry, like they'll go to the gym and they'll destroy themselves and they'll be the hardest worker in the room. But in every other aspect of their life, they're fucking shit and lazy. Yeah. You know, they just won't, like their, their family life is shit. They don't pay attention to their friends either. Their social life is, they don't mind going out for a few pints. Yeah, they're great at that. But like their actual like social interactions, they, they're, they're, they're not great. They're, you know, education level, it's not great. They're not willing to put themselves out there and get better educated. They're not going to seminars even. They're not doing any of these things that would make them a better coach, you know, or a better fitness professional or whatever you want to classify them as. But they, they'll kill themselves in the gym. And I always found, like, you know, the work ethic that you learn in the gym and the, the whole method of, like, you know, progressive overload is the very same thing that you do with your education or with any other aspect of your life. It's like, I, I can only tolerate this much now, but if I keep working at it, I'll be able to tolerate X amount later. So you actually have to work on it. Cause I think a lot of people get discouraged, especially when they see someone like you or I, or any other person that's putting out good information in the fitness industry, they look at them and they see this end point and they don't realize both the level of work that's gone into getting that and both the level of, and then the level of work that has gone into continuously building on that. Like it's not good enough to just, oh yeah, I learned this. Like you could just, you could just get your degree and now go, oh yeah, I know everything yeah. and never read a research paper again, never read any new information again and just, just to sim- disseminate what you know, what you've been taught or the ideas that are floating around in your head. And you just don't read anything else, you know, very easy to do because you have that piece of paper, that degree that says I'm a physiotherapist. So automatically people think or assume that you are putting in all these errors, but you, you might not be, you know? So I think a lot of people get discouraged when they do see that initial bump in this theoretical volume of learning and they kind of go oh well shit i can't do that but then you have to remember like when you started in the gym like you might have been struggling with you know five kilos on the bench press or or whatever it is and it's like okay well you know you struggled to that and now you're repping 100 kilos so there was a huge building in that time and i just feel a lot of people get discouraged with that initial odd look look what gary's putting out look what paddy's putting out look what you know all these other people are putting out that i could never do that and i find a lot of uh you know women as well they find it specific or whatever that word is they find it uh very hard themselves to kind of both get the confidence and the social proof to actually put out good information because you know there's not a huge amount of women putting out a lot of good, good information and i did a kind of poll on my instagram the other day which i still have to post the results of and um, i just haven't had the time but um a lot of people said that you know the, the females in the fitness industry they just don't post good information but i do have a good few listed on my phone that do put out good information but i do find a lot of you know women find it hard to kind of post the same level of information that some of the guys do and it it could be down to a confidence issue but i think mainly it's down to they're just simply being less women represented in the fitness industry you know because like you go to a gym you go to a gym like and there's there's just less women in the gym compared to men now obviously that is changing to some extent but that's what it has been for the last number of years, pretty much since the seventies anyway. Um, and I just feel a lot of people find that initial 
amount of information to deal with, hard to deal with. And then even when they do feel they have some confidence in, you know, they've mastered a bit of the basics, then they try to compare themselves to other people. And I'm just going to use us as an example. And they're looking going, oh, well, look, those triage guys, they put out this kind of stuff. So they feel like they they have nothing yeah. to offer, you know? So I, I feel like there's this, there's this initial really hard level to get over in the fitness industry anyway i'm sure it's the same in other industries you know um but in the fitness fitness industry specifically especially considering that most people learned the opposite way around like they learned either in person or from videos or from social media or whatever and then they tried to get into this whole learning the, the deeper understanding of it so i find that there is this big big you know wall or barrier to people kind of getting into more or building more or providing more value uh, to yeah people. and i think Would there's actually another that? side to it as well where people people cripple themselves in their ability to put out content because they try to put out content that is at the same level or at the barrier of their knowledge limit you know so for example you spend like an hour a day studying you know that principles of biochemistry book you know all the time and you're constantly pushing to gain mastery of biochemistry but you don't go on our social media and see you talking about all these reactions you know um so it's important so because of that it's very easy for us to put out a high volume of content because the amount of things that we know is above the level that we are kind of teaching at or, or speaking to so that that just allows us to kind of do it you know at, at a at a conversational pace you know it's pretty it's pretty easy because it just it just rolls off because it's comfortable within our our level of knowledge but what what a lot of people tend to do is keep that level of knowledge and the level of content they're putting out at the same point so as a result writing an article or writing a post is this big effort where they have to go away and look up different things and then they post it and they're like oh ta-da you know i i know all this now but then they can't post another one for ages because they don't actually they they've tried to set the bar too high too early so if you are someone that does put out content i'd encourage you to kind of keep it within your level of knowledge and always be trying to learn beyond what you're actually writing or what you're actually putting out because that's what the people are doing that are actually putting out content all of the time um because it's very easy to to just take something mm -hmm. let's say that you read about something that brad schoenfeld wrote in related in relation to hypertrophy and say that oh this is what's best for hypertrophy and i asked this question yesterday in the room um there was 400 people in the room and i said who here uh has heard of you know brad schoenfeld brad Schoen who here knows who brad schoenfeld is um and you know most of the room put their hands up and then i said now who has read his research and one person put their hand up so you know you've got all these people that probably have ideas of what his research actually says but from from reading his research and from reading his book I've kind of changed maybe my own opinions on some of the things that I would have heard about his work in the past because it wasn't actually true. And when you read the research, it says very different things to what people are often mm. posting about it on social media. So, you know, go to that deeper level if you want to be able to put out content that, that, that flows well, that is truthful and that you are actually comfortable with. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Anyway, how, how long have we been on this? We've been on it for an hour and three three minutes, and you're tired. You got placement tomorrow. Again, I'm a savage. 
like I don't get tired. So uh, we, can, we, we can wrap this up here now. Have you got any parting words for our beautiful followers, guys? Any mm, nuggets of information? Um, right, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just start finishing these with like some sort of kind of piece of fucking life advice to get you all pumped and shit. So, this week, so yesterday I was talking to Joe Delaney. I'm sure a lot of you know him and he's your idol and all that good stuff. But something that we got... Never heard. I was talking to him, and one of the things we were talking about is how money does not equate to happiness. Okay, and you know we talked about this for quite a long time in relation to you know what he wants in life, and I was saying what I want in life, and things like that. And money is merely just kind of some arbitrary goal that allows you to kind of fulfill a lifestyle that maybe suits you, but it's not something that is going to make you happy. And I think this is something that both you and I are aware of. You know, we talked earlier about how we could probably make a lot of business decisions to make us a lot more money in the short term. We could have skipped out in college, made a lot more money in the short term, but it's ultimately, you know, fulfilling your perceived purpose in life, you know, doing the things that give you value and give other people value that, you know, make you happy. You know, it's not, it's not about the financial return, but at the same time, it is important to kind of live within your means because people that actually live in a, in a way that is below their budget are going to be much happier because you don't have to deal with the stress of trying to keep up appearances by wearing certain clothes because you think you should or you know having a certain car because you think you should um, or the stresses of debt and all that stuff as well. So would you agree or are you a money-hungry savage? <laughs> Uh, both I would agree and disagree like obviously to an extent money does not matter but that is oh, easy absolutely. to say when you say that from a pedestal of yeah. having enough money to pay for the goods that you want you know so like to an extent yes money doesn't matter but it does matter because you have to have enough money to feed your kids to eat ha like it's very easy or it's, sorry it's very hard to be truly exactly. happy when there is this gnawing hunger in your stomach you know but ha having said that the vast majority of people in the West yeah. simply will never feel that, you know, um, we have enough money and, and yeah, money <laughs> will not get you happiness. And they always say that, like what, like if you just added an extra, an extra zero to the end of your, your bank balance and would that make you happier? Two extra zeros, three extra zeros, four extra zeros. Like what, what does it change? It's like, okay, yeah, you can be sad in a Ferrari now. Like, great. Who cares? You know, it's not going to change anything. If anything, it makes it harder to an extent because now not only are you dealing with the, the normal level of people that are, you know, backstabbing you or whatever, yeah. you now have to deal with people that want in on your money. They want, want a piece of the pie that you now have and you have to deal with that as well. So, yes, I do agree that, you know, money, money rather will not buy you happiness, but it does <laughs> yes, allow I you absolutely to be agree. in Hence very nice places. the point of actually, you know, having enough money to fulfill your lifestyle needs, okay? But not just your lifestyle wants, you know, no one needs a Gucci watch, okay? You do not need that. Your kids don't need that, all right? Uh, it's Gucci main. <laughs> but it, but, but it's anyway, Gucci, yeah, I think man. that's a good point. And if you can take that away and, and try and do something that makes um, you happy and give other people value and yourself value, I think that's a pretty good thing to tell people. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I think that kind of harks back to actually getting people to think about what they want to achieve. You know, we talk about it all the time, you know, context matters and, you know, 
what is that context? Like, what is that context for you? Are you like, what's, what is your reasoning behind going to the gym? Like I said it in the last podcast, like people go there and they're like, Oh, I'm going to build my confidence. Like there is no confidence muscle. Like what are you, what are you training to, to do that? Like what, what are you actually trying to achieve? And I think a lot of people would do very well to just sit down five, 10 minutes, you know, and write out yeah. some actual truths. Like I always think about it. I always oh, think about it. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, or however you say his name, your man who wrote the Russian, yeah, whatever. The fuck. I, ain't, I ain't Polish, <laughs> Russian, whatever the fuck he was. Yeah, oh, what <laughs> uh, he was Russian. I, I know he was Russian. I'm joking. Anyway, but like he, like in his like Gulag Archipelago and stuff, like he literally just went back and like he just took ownership of every single thing that he did in his life, you know, and I and like you know brought it down to some key. This is why this happened to me. This is. The, I am the owner of my destiny. And I, I feel a lot of people would do very well to kind of do something similar and kind of go, you know, it, I'm going to take responsibility for all my actions, even if it wasn't actually my fault. I'm going to take responsibility for it and I'm going to address what I can address on my side because realistically at the end of the day, you can never feel what someone else can feel. You can never think what someone else can think. You know, you can never be what someone else can be. You can only be you. You can only think what you think. You can only feel what you feel. So, you have to take ownership for all those things in this world. Like you are the reason you felt that you are the reason you thought that you are the reason you are what you are. So you have to take responsibility for that. And once you do that, it is very freeing and going forward with that kind of mindset or ideology in your head, then you can start thinking, well, what, what do I want to achieve? You know, and you can start with something like, relatively easy and what you could argue is very mundane like what you want to achieve in the gym is it a certain physique like what do you just enjoy training do you want to be do you want to improve your fitness for a certain sport do you want to fit into a certain dress do you want to fit into a certain t-shirt do you want to just impress other males in the gym maybe females you know what is it like actually lay down your goals long term short term break them up into kind of smaller chunks but having a kind of an eye to the future and thinking okay well this is my overall plan like the the path that i take to get there isn't so much as important as the actual end goal so once you realize that you realize that i can find the beauty in the path and the enjoyment of the scenery once i know i'm heading in the right direction because i find a lot of people get distracted with the path like they never they can't enjoy the process they can't enjoy the path because they don't know where they are actually headed like they don't have a clear end point because if you have a clear end point you know okay well if i take this path off to the left here it just adds 10 minutes to my journey but it's a very scenic journey you know and i don't mind adding that 10 minutes whereas if you're going do i turn left here do i turn right here do i keep going straight here and you have no real you know, context for something or no real eye on the horizon to this bigger goal, then it can kind of be worrying to take this 10, 10 minute extra journey where you're kind of going, like say it's fat loss and you're kind of going, well, like I'm not losing fat as fast as the person that took this, this straight goal because they had, had the horizon or the end goal in their sights and you kind of just took the, the slower approach and it's like, did you make the right decision? You know, you, you can't really view that without context so i feel a lot of people would do very well to actually 
write down and like writing it down is a good approach because then it's written down and you've actually you know both written it down where you can see it and then refer back to it have something written down where it's this is the goal that i want to achieve or these are the goals i want to achieve this is the kind of stuff that i want to be achieving in my future and then you can kind of reverse engineer that and kind of go this I is agree. the process someone actually asked that, that question yesterday in the q a what the dream you know? was for me and, and triage, um, but I didn't give away our secrets. You know, I was I was I was real vague because I don't want people to know about our our secret operations. You know that we're you know liaising with the military and and NASA. Yeah, the militia. Well, there is a yeah, there is a reason we're called the militia. Like you know, I, I suppose that's enough to you know keep keep their their. And on that note, I say we can wet, call it a know, day. We won't can give we? away too much information. The music, so you can be like, "Oh yeah!" Wait, let me Thank you guys for really, listening you know, to the Triage Podcast, episode two. Catch us next, where we will talk about other things. <laughs> Dolph. <laughs> other stuff next week on Dragon Ball Z.